Content warning, this episode contains a lot of mentions of sexual harassment and workplace sexual violence, um, so please be mindful of that and feel free to just skip this episode if that's something that's going to be upsetting. This is Lena. And this is Forrest. And in this episode, we watched Disclosure, a movie whose name I forget, even though I've already seen it in several installments, because it took me forever to get through it. It is not a good movie, is the thing about Disclosure. Um, (laughs) Just right off the bat, and we'll get into it, um, I can't believe that this movie was allowed to be made. It... It's extremely insane that it was created. Uh, It's based off a book by Michael Crichton, who brought us good things like Jurassic Park and um, just totally negated every positive contribution he made to society by writing the book Disclosure and then giving his permission to have a movie made out of it. It's real bad shit. It's so, so bad. It's so bad. I will also say, like I said, I watched the movie in maybe like 20 minute increments because I couldn't get through it in one sitting. Um, But I don't know what he does. A, I don't really know what his name is. Is it Tom, the main character? Uh, I've got a, yeah, I've got a cast list up as Tom Sanders. Sanders? Never learned that part of his name. Yeah. It's related to Bernie. Also problematic. Stop. <laughs> 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 uh, and okay, we can get into what it's about really quick. Um, would you like to, or should I? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Michael Douglas, whose character is Tom Sanders, but I will always be referring to as Michael Douglas throughout this episode, as I will with mm-hmm. every cast member. Um, he works at maybe a VCR or CD company or something like that. And uh, he thinks he's getting a big promotion because the company is going through some kind of merger. But it turns out he gets passed up for this promotion for a woman, Demi Moore, with whom he once had a relationship. Uh, They have a late night evening where he's intending to kind of smooth things over and say, you know, it's I'm I'll, I'll be okay being your employee. I'm not like super pissed. I didn't get this promotion, even though he's pretty pissed. He didn't get the promotion. And then she tries to initiate a sexual encounter with him, which uh, then partway into he breaks off and she has a violent response, chases him out. And then the rest of the movie hinges over the sexual harassment lawsuit that he files against her. And I believe she counterfiles something against him to indicate that he was, in fact, the assaulter in the scenario. And it ends with the vicious Herodin's comeuppance. It's, I do want to make a distinction. It was an arbitration. It was not a lawsuit. Okay. So. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer or an aspiring lawyer. Just, just a fine point. It it didn't actually go to court. It was just a bunch of lawyers in the room and a mediator trying to smooth it out before things went public. Um, it is pronounced Demi, 
more? Is that so? Or is it Demi that's, more? That's true. I, I wikipedia it uh, before this. And um, further, furthermore, I uh, made a tweet about it. Did you? Sorry about yeah. not reading your tweet about Demi Moore. It's okay. Moore. It just says, uh, I mean, the, my tweet actually hinges on the incorrect pronunciation, which is uh, Demi Moore implies the existence of a true Moore. Um, <laughs> a Julianne Moore. It, it could be. <laughs> Okay, so just up top, um, obviously, this is like a, I won't say a reverse Me Too, because Me Too is meant to encompass all people in all, who have all gender identities, who are in all industries. Um, It is a Me Too question. It's a question of workplace sexual harassment, and specifically, you know, um, you know, being someone subordinate and being subject to sexual harassment in that way. And the way that they handle the interview of help Michael Douglas um, <laughs> and the way that he is spoken to by um, his colleagues and his boss, like his boss's boss, like, like it's, it's, uh, it's, um, Oh, Donald Sutherland. The, yeah. I was going to say the president, president snow from the hunger games. And then yep. it's Demi Moore and then it's uh, Michael Douglas. And so like, Basically, there's a lot of like, what if you didn't tell anyone and didn't make a big deal out of it? And are you sure what happened happened? And maybe it's you who should have fought back. Like those things that happen after you're sexually harassed and those conversations are had and handled in a way that are that is that was very, um, I thought, insightful and like very true to form of like, at least my experience in in these reporting situations. of like people trying to tell you to smooth, like just let it pass and smooth things over and like, yeah, just take the job in Austin and like, forget this ever happened. Um, so, so there's that, but I, on the, on the flip side, Michael Douglas's character is a terrible misogynist. He's really bad, really awful. He repeatedly, uh, sexually harasses his own secretary or like within the first assistant. 10 minutes when yeah. we're establishing his character who we're supposed to like and kind of be on his side because he's the main sympathetic character who has, uh, uh, an injustice done to him. Uh, it turns out that he is extremely bad. So yeah, like, no, he, he smacks his specifically, he smacks his administrative assistant on the ass uh, after telling her to do something and, um, apparently like rubs her shoulders on the regular in a way that's uncomfortable. Um, he's like weird to his wife. He's an anti-feminist. Uh, he's actually specifically a meninist, like talking about like men, women have it so hard. Men have a higher suicide rate than women do. And it's like, yeah, these are two sides of the same coin. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> It's true. Okay. The patriarchy hurts all of us. It's true. Um, and so, like, he's an awful, awful person. And so, like, while Demi Moore's conduct toward Michael Douglas is inappropriate and abusive, he is also an abuser. And if there was nuance in the movie that, like, explored this topic, I would say okay but there wasn't it was very much like don't you feel bad for michael douglas can you believe all this is happening to him and his wife is so mad at him and um well there are no points (laughs) where the movie like it almost feels like it's 
at some points it feels like it's not taking a side even though it is so like in the beginning when he's on the ferry to work uh mm-hmm. the, the movie opens up on a on a scene of uh domesticity as michael douglas and his wife are trying to get their little kids out of the house and he's late to work and he doesn't usually wear a tie he's got toothpaste and shit on it anyways mm-hmm. he gets on the ferry he's gonna be late to work and um there's this unemployed fellow also on the ferry looking for a job and Michael Douglas is on the cell phone and this guy keeps on like kind of bugging him. And at one point he's like, you used to have fun with the girls. Nowadays she probably just wants your job. And it's like, yes, it was very heavy foreshadowing. And and it's like, presumably the movie is not portraying him in a sympathetic light, except for the fact that like, that line describes exactly Michael Douglas's character's whole deal. And so if I were trying to be extremely generous to this movie, which I am not, uh, I think there's like a case could be made on like the very outside edge that the movie is uh, aware that everybody in the movie is a shithead, but I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, I, I, Yeah, they they really do. There are opportunities to 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 introduce nuance, and they never do so. Um, and so it puts me in a weird position where the protagonist is definitely like an awful chauvinist who has suffered a great injustice in his workplace, and it's never addressed that it's kind of like a. It's not like I mean, it's never addressed that the the, the sword cuts both ways. You know, like there is a a point at which they bring in his secretary to talk about like the way that he has behaved toward her, but he doesn't seem to have a moment of reflection about it. And if anything, she turns around and smacks him on the ass after, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, there's a a few times throughout where like a, uh, I think this is the case. It seems like it must have been, honestly, my memories of the movie are very hazy, um, and I wasn't even drunk when I was watching it. <laughs> I just wanted to be dead and away from the room. Um, but it seems to me at some points along the way during the arbitration, like uh, cogent systemic cases are made for the discrimination and harassment women face on like a system wide basis from men. Mm-hmm. Uh, except that that is all undercut by the fact that in the specific case we're watching is one of the like, three ever cases where, you know, uh, the woman is lying to Uh advance her career and, you know, take a big win out of this incredibly personal lawsuit or uh, arbitration. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it just, even when it does like make the point that like, Hey, this isn't as simple as it seems. It turns out that, um, that argument is dishonest in this one particular instance. Right. It's, um, sorry. Jesus. Okay. Um, yes. So there's a, a scene where he's home and he's talking to his wife about what's going on. Cause his wife is a lawyer and, um, she finds out about what occurred one way or another and all the evidence is very circumstantial, with the exception of the miraculous uh, phone recording that they have. Um, but 
she's talking about how like yeah she's dealt with this a lot and her, her husband is like oh well why didn't you say anything like I had no idea that you were going through this and she said oh well I do what all women do I just deal with it and like that could have been a moment right like that could have been allowed to land but it wasn't instead we just get more raving Michael Douglas I think he like runs outside and like yells at the moon or something like not literally but he is yelling under yeah. the moon and like there is like there are so many opportunities to pause and be like this is one of the very few instances where it is like these accusations are being used as a weapon um and a uh, a false accusa- a false accusation is made and b he is the one being harassed like both of these are rare instances although they do happen um but it wasn't part of a larger conversation. And so like all the all the like care that they took to go through the process and the humiliation that someone would um, experience when reporting sexual harassment, like all of the nuance and, and the care that they took in that was totally undermined by their lack of, of context and perspective. And that's what I found so frustrating about this movie is that like there were building blocks and we're not even getting into like the crazy shit, like, like all the wild shit about like VR and whatnot. That was wild. Um, oh yeah. Why the fuck is that in there? <laughs> we'll, get to the the fun, too. we'll get to the fun part in a second. I just want to get all the heavy stuff out of the way first, because it is important to acknowledge that like Michael Douglas's story is a real story. And he is a real chauvinist in this movie is severely lacking in context or nuance or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Storytelling skill, I guess. Yeah. Um, So this this has literally just occurred to me with this book. Uh, This is what, four years after Clarence Thomas confirmation, mm -hmm. which I think in the general like media arc narrative of American awareness is like one of the big Big early public airings of this workplace harassment issue. And so it's very wild that Michael Crichton four years later decides to be, because the book's also published in 94, um, Mm -hmm. which I hope, means that this movie is the result of an extremely rushed and bad production process, which might explain some of why it's so bad, but uh, it feels weird that Mike Crichton takes the need, feels the need to be like, well, hold up gang. What if uh, <laughs> she's lying? Right. Um, because real weird take. Uh, Joe Biden already did that for us. Oh my God. I'm going to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> he did though. Um <clears throat> I will say, as I was watching the film, I haven't read the book, Disclosure. So I'm also not really clear on why it's called Disclosure. Um, We can get to that later. Um, As I was watching the film, I did think several times, did Dan Brown write this? Because it was very, it was, I would argue, more Dan Brown-y than Digital Fortress in some ways. Um, I think that... Go ahead. Sorry. I I think that this must be subconsciously the reason that I wanted to do this movie with Digital Fortress because to me they feel very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like their entire atmosphere of like '90s tech world with weird 
workplace sexual dynamics not being as they ought to be and just general bad plotting and weird payoffs to non-setups and shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it does feel very Dan Brown. Like there is, there's weird machinations in this movie. So um, there's another lady at the company that Michael Douglas works at who also seems to be, I think she was the other person in the running for the promotion he wanted. The red hair so lady, she, the one of the boys uh, girl. No, the the kind of older lady, the other VP. Oh, okay. Um, and she talks to Michael Douglas at the meeting where Demi Moore gives the big speech like, hey, I'm new on the team and here's all the ways we're going to take this company right to the top. And uh, so she comes up and she seems kind of mm, unhappy that Demi Moore has gotten this promotion over her or Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that throughout the movie, Michael Douglas gets all these mysterious messages from a person who goes by a friend, a oh, friend. This is, this is the contract that nobody asked for part. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. This is some real end and Dakota shit. Um, so he gets all these messages that kind of lead him down the trail to piece together how he can make his success or defense of himself successful. Mm-hmm. And at the end, And so in this conversation Michael Douglas has with the other executive lady, she mentions it kind of offhand that, oh, my son's at uh, uh, University of Washington Law School or something. And then at the end, when Michael Douglas finally meets this son, he mentions, oh, I've been, you know, interning in Arthur Friend's office. And the mom gives him... And the executive kind of gives him a meaningful look. And so we piece together that this executive lady fed her son the info to exonerate Michael Douglas. So her son snuck into his advisor's office to send emails from his computer. So it's not a friend sending the emails. It's a friend, Arthur friend's email address. Um, It's crazy. It's cuckoo bananas bullshit. It's wild. It is like some end Dakota stuff, uh, like mixed in with the part at the end of Digital Fortress where it's like, and he was his son the whole time. I forget the the businessman's name. What was his name? Uh, Numataka. Yeah, it was like a Numataka Tankado. Like, she brought her son to work and she didn't even know she was going to get the proposal. (laughs) Why would he be there? Doesn't so he have weird. School? <laughs> oh, this whole thing takes place in Seattle, which is yes. such a choice. I guess because Microsoft is in Washington. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That would be. So I guess Silicon Valley is still like on the upcoming thing, so it's not fully settled as like the place yet. Yeah, it's like Silicon in, 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 series of bridges in Seattle. Yeah, because like in Halt and Catch Fire, they go to San Francisco for a little while to start their company before they wind up in Silicon Valley, I think. Oh, Did you okay. watch Halt and Catch Fire? Did not. Oh, it's really good. Is it a film? It, no, it's a TV show. It ran for like three seasons with Mackenzie Davis and Lee Pace. Uh, it's like a, a 80s rise of a computer company. And oh, like I've Mackenzie, heard of it. Yeah. And oh, there's a there's a third lead who shows up in a bunch of things, but I forget his name. 
But like mm-hmm. Mackenzie Davis is like the super young hotshot uh, programmer. Lee Pace is like the guy who doesn't know shit about programming, but he's the kind of uh, marketing business brains behind the whole thing. He's kind of a skis ball. I see. Uh, it's a good show. First season's a bit rough. So it's good, and I should watch it. Should I if I yeah. if it's between that and Silicon Valley because I can only watch one. I would prefer like, Home Catch Fire personally. Okay. I think Silicon okay. Valley. Uh, Mike Judge. I have. Uh, I don't know. He seems suspect to me as a human being. <laughs> I feel that. I don't know why I'm with you on Mike Judge being suspect, but I agree. Isn't isn't he one of the South Park boys, or is he is he something else? Uh, no, he was um, the other one, the King oh, of the Beavis Hill. Oh, Beavis and Butthead. Oh, is he also uh, no, Beavis, Beavis and Butthead? Butthead? Yes, yes. There we go. He did Office Space, and that's good. Yeah, he did Office Space, and that is good. Okay. I don't mean to cast personal aspersions on Mike Judge. But. <laughs> I think he's actually okay, but is definitely a product of like the 90s comedy scene. Yeah. And people fr- who work in Silicon Valley like the show Silicon Valley too much That's for upsetting. me to uh, I'm so be okay with, you with on it. That. Because like, okay, this is, we're, obviously we're not talking about Silicon Valley because we watched Disclosure and not Silicon Valley. Yeah. I mean, I think we're probably at the point in talking about this movie where we're just going to kind of uh, freeform thoughts about it. <laughs> Right. I think we've sent the plot skeleton. We've established it's bad and you shouldn't watch it. Yep, uh, you shouldn't watch it. It's incredible that this was allowed to be made even in 1994, considering that the Clarence Thomas confirmation had just occurred a few years prior. It's crazy. It's wild. <laughs> and it made me very upset. And like I said, like I could only watch like 20 minutes of it at a time. It was so bad. But anyway, as I was saying, um, Silicon Valley, people who work in Silicon Valley, of of whom, I'm, I mean, I know a lot of people who work in Silicon Valley because that's where I went to school, basically. Um, and and people who work there and then like Silicon Valley would like to like make very clear to you that they're self-aware about how wild and strange and bizarre and full of bullshit Silicon Valley is. And then it's like very much like, a, oh, like a wink, wink, like tongue-in-cheek kind of like, huh? Like, isn't it funny that we watch the show about how bullshit our industry is while I continue to... Uh, be in this industry and like I don't know I don't trust these people <laughs> like so uh, this is the part I'm gonna have to cut out because I- okay well thank you for sharing that um, very cool that I will go the rest of my life knowing that that has existed <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, one thing I want to talk about with this movie is how fucking ugly their office building is it's hideous it's hideous, but I would like for you to talk about it. Please. It looks it looks like the set for the police station from the TV show Gotham. Does it's it? It's like a it, it's 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 all it is, but like worse lit. It's just this weird kind of uh, brick building with all these kind of green metal catwalks and stairs and shit around the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even one of her friends go to a similar building in the second season of Killing Eve. Um, but that one's a little bit less awful. It just, I can't quite describe how it looks aside from a police station from specifically Gotham, but truly any Batman version you're going to get, it's <laughs> that kind of building. Yeah, so it's a brick warehouse, basically, that's been converted into an office space by creating a bunch of glass partitions. Um, and it definitely has the vibe of like, yeah, like you said, like green metal catwalks everywhere, which I assume 
creates just the most noise. <laughs> like, it must be so unbearably loud to work in there. I was also never clear on where Michael Douglas's office was. Like, that's a good question. Like, they have a little fishbowl bubble thing where he and his team meet, but I don't think that's his office. Well, yeah, there's like a place upstairs with couches in it. I think that was Donald Sutherland's office. No, no, that's right, a different place with couches. God damn it. <laughs> so Donald Sutherland's office is on like the, I don't know, fourth floor of the bizarre it was catwalk. The very top. Yeah. And then um, Michael Douglas, there's like a fishbowl thing that's like in the West Wing where Donna works, like where it's like she's kind of, they've created like a glass hallway that has like, like it's super accessible. So there's that. That's where his computer is. He also, and then, so he has the, the fishbowl thing, and that's the, that's the area where he tells his administrative assistant, have I ever asked you to close the door before? Um, and then there's a couch place that he also like goes to to like have breakdowns, I guess. Um, hmm. It's not clear where he works. It's not clear where anyone works. It's not clear where the conference rooms are relative to the offices. I don't know how many floors there are. It doesn't appear to be floors. It's like the perimeter of it's okay. What I imagine is now that I'm like thinking in retrospect, like there are a lot of stairs, but they only ever go to the perimeter of the building. And it's so like, it's like Foucault's panopticon. Yes. Uh, everything's around the exterior edges of this building. So no matter where you are, you can see and be seen at all times by Don- Donald Sutherland. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And your fellow inmates. Correct. Except um, for when the building is empty and uh, that's when the uh, unseen thing goes down that forms the central dramatic incident of the book movie. Very unclear where her office is. Her office is bigger than Donald Sutherland's office. It looks like it's in a different building because he goes outside and it's wood everywhere. Yes. What's happening? <laughs> I don't know. This movie sucked. I hate it so much. I do want to add just a quick side note that uh, Michael Douglas, that's his name, is sporting some incredible proto-Trump hair in this film. He looks bad. He He looks looks awful. So, like, he's, uh, like, Ant-Man Sr. in the Ant-Man movies and the Marvel pictures, and, uh... He looks identical to the old man version of himself in that. There's also scenes where he's CG'd to look younger and when we're like doing flashbacks. And uh, as far as I can tell, just based off this movie and that movie, Michael Douglas never looked as good as he did in those CG uh, flashback versions of himself. <laughs> he doesn't look good. He's very short and stocky. Um, his wife is like a million times out of his league. It's incredible Demi Moore would even look at him twice. Um, that is deeply insane. Demi Moore is all legs and yeah. beautiful dark raven hair. She looks incredible I mean, in this movie. <laughs> it's not a coincidence that the poster for the film, Michael Douglas can only be seen the very, very side of his face and ear and hair. And I other than that, his it. body is completely covered up by the back of Demi Moore with his hands clasped around her ass. What is uh, the name of this film? Disclosure. Disclosure. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it's just the picture on the Wikipedia page, the theatrical release poster. Uh, 
yeah, Michael Douglas is not wonderful to behold. And yes, I guess the sexual coercion here is more of a power thing than it is an attraction thing. Um, right. But it is also stated that in the past, at some point before Michael Douglas was married, these two had a relationship, which, A, how old was Demi Moore at that point? Um, 17, I assume. Ugh. Uh, because she's so pre- young in this. She's like 32. Yeah. Yeah. And Michael Douglas was what? 58. Okay. She's. <laughs> yeah. She's like all legs and ass and tits. She looks amazing. Her face is beautiful. There's a, you can get a, uh, poster of just her face in this, I guess, which is great. I'm into that. Um, Oh no no! It's disclosure the band. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Very different, probably. I don't know for disclosure the band. Ugh. Um, oh, so the West Wing point I was gonna make is uh, part of the reason I can't get into the West Wing, having come to it as late as I'm coming to it. Okay. Um, so Bradley Whitford's character, whose yeah. name I don't know. Yes. Uh, he's just the same person as Michael Douglas in this movie. That's right. He talks a little bit faster, um, and he has a little bit more emotional depth. Yeah, but like they have similar attitudes towards women. Yes, and correct. They have yes. they have they have very similar mannerisms and just ways of speaking in general. And the fact that Bradley Whitford's character is like one of the main like sympathetic point of view characters in The West Wing means like I just cannot fucking watch it. The only thing is, like, whereas you do have Bradley Woodford in that film, in that show, I mean, you also have um, um, Allison Janney, who she's is... She's not on screen as much as you think she is in the first season, at least. In the first season, she's not. But later on, you get a lot of Allison Janney. And you also get... Okay. Who's the... Did you ever see Geostorm? I've been meaning to for, like, weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. It's on HBO now, but... Um, I forget his name. The not okay. Rob Lowe's boss. He's like very. He's I like. I didn't know balding. Rob Lowe had a boss in the West Wing. He does. He does. He's the the head of communications. Uh, West Wing communications. <laughs> oh, Richard Schiff, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the Geostorm cast list at this point. Let's <laughs> pick up the first guy who looks like a West Wing guy. Oh yeah, I don't like him either. He's a shithead in that show. Toby Ziegler. He gets better. Um, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> every guy in that show fucking sucks. It's and true. Most every, of the girls. Except for the president, who's the best president who ever lived, ever. I don't know, man. I... <laughs> you don't like the president? No. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not so he's condescending. Not good, he's such an asshole. He's got a he's PhD in economics or some shit. He, he has a Nobel Prize, I think. <laughs> Welcome to the Dan Brown Code, where we watch a non-Dan Brown film. He's gonna be a priest, <laughs> dropped out of seminary. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my main other positive note about Disclosure is it's always nice to see Dylan Baker in a movie. Who the hell is that? Who's Dylan? He's Baker? the guy. Did you ever watch The Good Wife? No. Uh, he's been. He's in everything. Just Google the name Dylan oh, Baker. There you know he is. his face. I've only seen him yeah. old. Yeah, I mean, he looks the same as <laughs> he's old. Uh, he was Kurt Connors in the Spider-Man movies, I guess, the original ones. Uh, 
He's a lot smoother in this movie than he is when I saw him recently. Yeah, he just always plays like a kind of Weasley bad guy. Yeah. Uh, whenever you see him, you know he's not going to be a trust. Oh, he's in the Americans, and just you see his face, you're like, oh, like this guy, he's up to no good. He's betraying somebody. He's out for his own good, and he's going to fuck it all up for everybody. What an I'm asshole! I'm trying to pinpoint what it is about his face that would get him cast that way. Uh, just waspy as hell, but like, is that it? I don't know. I mean, he's I also so. His, maybe it's his forehead. Do you think it's his forehead? I don't know. For me, it's like just like the way he like presses his lips together. Weird. That's he does that a lot. I'm looking at pictures of him, and he mostly has his lips pressed pressed together. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of different pictures too. Yeah, he's just a weird guy. Um, I, I guess he was the, in the West Wing. I, uh, of course he was. <laughs> I guess I don't know what he was in that, but it makes sense to me that he'd be in there. <laughs> Uh, do you know the, so Michael Douglas is lawyer in this movie. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the actress's name is? No. What's her name? Cause I think the name might be, uh, an anti-Italian hate crime. Roma mafia. <laughs> Stop. It's not. <laughs> it sure it. is. <laughs> oh, it's two F's. Well, yeah, but, uh, there's no way you can't name somebody that. <laughs> Guess what? If you Google her name, the seventh result is her Wikifeet page. <laughs> uh, God, we live in a bad world. <laughs> um, holy shit. So at, the, at this point, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page of disclosure. Um, and very excitingly, I didn't even notice he was in there. Donald Logue is in this. Speaking of Gotham, uh, he plays Harvey Bullock in that. He was also in the short-lived but much-beloved Terriers. Uh, you've seen him in things. He's I've Donald Logue. I would like to talk a little bit about the writing because... Yeah, go for it. The writing is, like, not good, but there are zingers in there that are excellent. For example, she doesn't know the difference between software and a cashmere sweater. That's fucking hilarious. I love that. Yeah. I don't hate it. it took me, I didn't, I don't think it, I don't think I noticed it so much at the time. Yeah. Uh, Michael Douglas says, uh, what is it? They wanted him to make a lateral move to Austin. And he said, a lateral move to Austin. That's like a duck making a lateral move to a la orange. And I was like, <laughs> I, I did enjoy that one. <laughs> oh no. Donald Sutherland said it. it they are at, it, it's incredible. They are at, at, at once very bad writers. And then I think, no, I think what it is is Michael Crichton is a creep. <laughs> and then the writers are very, very good. That could be. I'm tr- I, I feel like those lines must have been in the novel. Oh, yeah? I mean, I read it in middle school, but that sounds vaguely familiar. You read it in middle school? Yeah, I read it in like There was so grade. much talk about penis in the mouth. That's true. I was very uncomfortable with it. As I, I mean, I mentioned to you, like I remember in middle school when, like, you know, my is my opinions in politics were all stupid and bad. Sure. Uh, to whatever extent I had politics in middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, even then, I remember like, reading this book, being like, I don't know, man. I think this is probably uh, no good. <laughs> and it, I was right. But yeah. I also remember, in, in addition to like that element i also remember like being uncomfortable with all the sex stuff in it 
Uh, it's, it's an erotic like, thriller. I mean, I mean, that I I was just about to bring that up. I object to it on that grounds. It was not erotic. Right? No, it was not. It was not. The sex scene, once they got it, they were both going at it, got kind of exciting because Demi Moore looks amazing. And I just miss 90s legs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, aside from that, I mean, if it was erotic, I don't think I would have so many notes that just say, I would like to die, please. <laughs> I really wanted to die for a lot of this movie. <laughs> I have a lot of, I would like to fucking die. I would like to fucking die. Um, oh, can we talk about the dream? Dream, dream. Oh, yes. <laughs> Holy shit, yes. Please talk about it. <laughs> Michael Douglas, after the incident, has a dream that he's in the elevator with Donald Sutherland and that Donald Sutherland comes up to him, comes on to him and tries to kiss him and you get like an incredibly disgusting close-up of the inside of Donald Sutherland's mouth. Oh, it's like that cat people picture. The cat people picture? Remember cat people? No. It was like a short story someone posted on Medium or Atlantic or something last year and it had a cover picture and all the tweets about it and it was just this upsetting picture of like a stubbly guy's chin and lips making out with the lady and it was it was bad no bueno no it's, i missed this now, thank god oh jesus it was like it was like a two-week-long thing i must oh no for cat, no. For cat person no, cat person no, not no, cat no, people no no cat person it was in modern love right it was in new yorker new yorker yes I'm looking. Yeah, I did see this. Uh, that picture. I just brought it up, and now I'm mad at myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, thank you. It's very gross. That's the exact same coloring my dentist used to have of beard. His name was yeah. Doctor Finger. Um, he's no. passed now. His, he has passed now. He was a very sweet man, but his beard was every color of the rainbow. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so but that was i mean it was some incredible uh, gay panic it was yeah i think almost a masterful depiction of what it feels like like for him to fully process how taken advantage of he felt by his female boss he maybe had to process it through the lens of donald sutherland which is problematic but i get it um so weird and the next day he doesn't wear a suit because like in the in the dream, he it like Donald Sutherland really likes his suit, and he's like, "Oh, that's a fucking uh, what? sexy suit." And then What's the um, fabric, yeah. Like, can I touch it? And then the next day, he's so freaked out that he doesn't wear a suit because Donald Sutherland might kiss him. Um, well, also he like he makes a big deal in the first scene of like he hasn't worn a suit to work in a bajillion years, and so you know he doesn't wear a tie ever. Right. Right, and then he's at work with Donald Sutherland and, like, acting super jumpy as if Donald Sutherland's... But, like, I get it. Like, after harassment happens, you become more on edge. But also, I don't think Donald Sutherland's going to go for him anytime soon. I mean, who's to say? Anyway. <laughs> um, oh, so, you know how sometimes you're on your computer and you open up a folder, right? 
and there's a subdirectory, a number of subdirectories, and you can navigate around them conveniently with clicks of a mouse. Um, are you familiar with this? Right. Yes. If I want to go to a file location on my computer, I open up documents and I open up doc- and like, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm bringing up something for history class. So I click on history and it's like, Oh, it was this year, second semester subdirectories. Oh, there's the file I want. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine if instead of doing that with simple clicks and moving your wrist around, what if you could walk around a library on a treadmill and pull out a bulky file cabinet with your hands root around through that file system for the subfile you want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, before grabbing it physically with your hand, taking like probably full minutes longer than simply clicking around. Wouldn't you want to do that? What if, <laughs> so- what if, you know how, you know how we all love Clippy? You know how we open up Microsoft Word and we're like, fuck, I love it when Clippy's like, oh, you're making a resume. What if instead of Clippy, <laughs> there was a, PlayStation cutscene angel with a, <laughs> some random software developer's face who would be like, ah, I see you're looking for uh, a document. Uh, let me walk you half a mile down the other direction to where we're going to get to that document. These are the questions proposed by this movie's incredible VR technology that the company Michael Douglas works for has created, but not apparently for sale selling just to have to be cool and, uh, extremely inconvenient in their own office so they made it for fun not for any practical purpose to ever sell or anything it also contains the ceo's financial records inside which is crazy um and you you characterize it as a treadmill forest but it was kind of a bumpy trampoline and you well, stand you be able on to walk it. in three dimensions <laughs> stand on it i don't know how that like we never see anyone like making the walking motions on the trampoline for good reason because it's fucking stupid um and i mean obviously it's a it's vr which as we know is short for visra which is obviously short for (laughs) visual representation (laughs) (laughs) and the thing is it is a visual representation of how like files are stored although not really but you know we won't go there um (laughs) and the angel's so fucking creepy and okay i do want to talk about the sequence by during which um michael douglas pulls a david becker and does like an incredibly stupid thing to get into someone's hotel room um where he like places a fake call of like, please come to my room and make the bed. Thank you. Oh, I'm definitely, oh, I can't find the, he says the room number is written on the phone. He says that to the housekeeping like manager and cause they, okay. Okay. I'm going to, let me go back. Okay. So his plan is, yeah, this is not ringing as much of a bell with me as it should. Sorry. <laughs> Do you know when he goes to the hotel to try to get the files? Honestly, no. Okay, so part of his plan to sink Demi more is to get the files that speak to what the issue is with the manufacturing plant because they've deleted all the files okay. off of his computer and locked him out, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you remember this much? Okay, so mm-hmm. a bunch of investors and the guys that they're merging with and Donald Sutherland and some other hotshots, including the lips pressed together guy, are all at a hotel. They're all at the hotel where the, uh, the, the, the other company people are staying. So 
he decides that the way to get his files is to get them from, I don't know how he decides that, I don't know how he finds out the VR system is in someone's hotel room. And I don't know how he decides that that's where they're going to be. But I guess if the CEO's personal financial records are in there, we can assume that those files also are. Um, so anyway, he goes to the hotel and his plan to find out where Donald Sutherland's uh, hotel room is, is to, excuse me, um, call housekeeping, say, could you send someone up to, I don't know, clean something up or, or on a toilet paper or something. And then the housekeeping manager, you know, in true form says, well, what not room number are you in? And he just like dawdles around and says like, oh, uh, well, it's written right here on the phone. Uh, and, and the, the guy just like finishes the, the says the, what the number was. Like the manager just says what the number was. And yikes. And then That's he not just, good go- no, it really is not good OPSEC. And like, what you don't want to do is say like, it is possible for me to know it's right here on the phone. Let me, I don't know, get my glasses or whatever. Um, yeah. So I can see where it's supposed to be written, but the tape's gone or whatever. Sure. Or don't say that at all. Just say, I forgot. Or I'm using the weird, uh, phone that they put in the toilet and it doesn't have that written on it. You know how they have yep. toilet phones at hotels anyway. Sure. Um, <laughs> And then he goes up and he scares the poor housekeeping woman. And, and then he uses, why is the VR machine in the hotel room? Does Donald Sutherland live in a hotel? It's why is it <laughs> in a library? You know, wherever you can get it. <laughs> and I, I do want to know, like, please don't watch this film. It sucks. Um, but <laughs> He's standing in the VR. There are two, like, planes of laser light hitting him. So I has to, like, scan his body and, like, use that as information to create a 3D model of him inside the VR. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> it's so... It just makes sense. It's so bananas. It's so wild. And then he's in there. And then Demi Moore is also logging in, trying to delete files. And so instead of, like... A 3D model of her. It's just like a lady thing, like a like a a grid, a 3D grid in the shape of a lady body with like her wireframe. mugshot on it. Thank you, wireframe with her mugshot on it, and and it's just like sweeping through the library, deleting shit, and it's so scary. And like instead, you know, could have done like. He could have gone and tried to hack into Donald Sutherland's computer, <laughs> but instead he had to get on a fucking trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> they spent so much money on rendering this. It's because it was in the book, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so, yeah, I guess we should also mention. So Demi Moore gets comeuppance in two ways. One, uh, they find an audio tape because like a phone was still off the line or something and taping. So they find the audio tape of the night in question, but also it turns out um, there's a second thread that we get even before Demi Moore appears where Michael Douglas's company is like manufacturing some new CD player or something, the Aramax. 
and all the design specs looks like it's supposed to be really good mm-hmm. and the production is underway, but the units coming out of the production line in Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, um, Malaysia are wait, subpar. Wait. They're not Kuala Lumpur is in Malaysia, Malaysia. Okay. Um, they're like not up to par and they're trying to figure out what's going wrong with them. And Michael Douglas is like, damn, do we have to go back to design and shit? And, you know, this is a key point in their merger that the Aramax revolutionary CD player that was a big part of their company is not doing as well as it should. And so part of these files they find, I think, prove that uh, it's not Michael Douglas's fault that the production's not up to snuff. It's actually Demi Moore and the other executives uh, cheaping out on various uh, materials and things that make it come out bad. Mm-hmm. And so not only is she personally in the wrong by uh, assaulting Michael Douglas, but also she's professionally in the wrong for uh, not coordinating production of the Aramax CD player good. Correct. And so she's revealed as trying to set Michael Douglas up and make him look ignorant of everything that she did to undermine his position as a hmm, manufacturing coordinator. I forget. I, they, they told us his job title at some point early on. He's like the head of production or something. He uh, is a Disneyland ticket procure. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> one of the movie's wonderful through lines that I don't think there's any actual reason for. Well, uh, <laughs> well, no, because okay. the client does remind him that there that there's a direct video link to Malaysia. And then he uh, can find yes. that uh evidence that she was in Kuala Lumpur overseeing the whatever. Oh yeah, cuz She's she's not only ordered the bad parts ordered, but also like made a personal visit to the production facility there yes. in spite of having earlier said she didn't know anything about it or something. So she, a person who is not in manufacturing, went to Kuala Lumpur to visit uh, who I, a person I can only assume is Jabba the Hutt um, in, in Malaysia and then like basically fucked up the, the manufacturing Wait, e- either on purpose... There- what? Isn't there a named character in Malaysia? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what his name is. He was just like he's just like a guy who is in like deep tech stuff who is giving was that academia guy not Jafar that's... Muhammad. No, that guy is not Jafar Muhammad. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's too bad. And that's not his name anyway. Forrest. His name is Muhammad Fuck. Jafar. <laughs> but anyway, her visit to Malaysia is such a big deal. They put it on the Malaysian news to like some random plant for CD player. <laughs> Hot lady vision production plans. <laughs> but um, as I was saying, ooh, hold on. <laughs> Sorry, it's the um, it's the pop filter again. Hold on. Uh, as I was saying, um, the through line is that uh, a man named Muhammad Jafar is somehow related to this operation and is coming to America and needs tickets to. Disney, Disney World? Disneyland? One of the two. They might just say Disney. I don't know. But his name is... So his name is Muhammad Jafar, which would imply some kind of like, you know, being from the Gulf states, because the Jafar last name, first of all, 
What time did what year did Aladdin come out? Can someone tell me? I want to. I think it's ninety two. Yeah. So the one Arab name that they might know. What do you have a problem <laughs> that in my novel there's a character named Ahmed Islam? Is that a problem for you, Lena? Ahmed. Ahmed doesn't mean anything. It's not a name. It's, uh, <laughs> I was intentionally playing up ignorance. <laughs> Ahmed is, but not Ahmed. What are you getting your Listen, information from Jeff Dunham these days? No, but both of those sounds are ones I can't differentiate very well on either a production or auditory level. I see, I see. Is my excuse. I see. Well, anyway, his name is Muhammad Jafar, which is wild. And so this man who, if Jafar was a real name, which honestly, I've never heard of a person named Jafar, um, but, you know, who's to say? I'm not the I've heard of precisely of... one. <laughs> we regret to inform you that it is Jafar. <laughs> Have you seen that ClickHole article? It's the best one. I don't think so. It's, it's the best ClickHole article. I don't know what to tell you. I will link it in the description, which I always say, and then I forget to actually link things in the description because um, some time passes between when we record it and then when I write the description, so... Okay, I, I did find where I do know the actual name Jafar from, though. Uh, I don't know how it's actually pronounced, but uh, the companion and vizier of Harun al-Rashid, who appears frequently in A Thousand One Nights, is Jafar ibn Yahya. Okay. Also, apparently the older brother of Ali, the companion of Muhammad, was Jafar ibn Abi Talib. Well, that makes sense that the first name would be Jafar. Oh, but as a last name. Yeah. Okay. So, Muhammad Jafar is a man with a very Gulf first or last name, but anyway. But he has an Indian accent, a very strong one, but he lives in Kuala Lumpur. So, what is the truth? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Nothing in this book makes any sense. (laughs) Or movie. I'm getting them confused. Okay, uh, this is a side note. Uh, there's a sti- there's, sorry. There's a scene where Demi Moore is on a stairmaster, wearing bike shorts and a sports bra, like an Instagram baddie, like like straight up. <laughs> she looks like 2019 on Instagram, and she looks amazing. She looks so good in this movie. Also, her hair does. Did you see the wings that her hair was was forming? It's really cool. How her hair's good. Her hair is so good know. in this. I would not hate to have Demi Moore's hair. No, me neither. I'm trying to figure out how to make my hair do that. Let's see. Any notes I didn't cover? I don't think so. I, th- I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there are, but uh, I don't know how much longer we can go talking about disclosure. That's totally fair. This, this is going to be among our more disorganized episodes, I think. Well, and that's okay, because we're typically very organized, and we go chapter by chapter, and, I was going to say, it's, it's hard will, not to be organized when you have a linear path to follow. Right. And I would also argue that this is a very disorganized film because there are like eight conflicts or something. Yeah. And like I fully uh, dissociated for the last 20 or 30 minutes. So I don't remember much that happens in them. Yeah. I mean, like I, was, I was sitting there watching them with my eyeballs. And they just did not stick. 
Yeah, so there's three... There. Okay, so as far as women in... First of all, side note, his friends suck. His friends in the office are disgusting and gross. Oh, God. I think Donald Logue is one of those guys, but they're just like the sexual harassment squad. Yeah. They're all like... I mean, they're Danny Zuko's friends from Greece. They're like, ah, you fucked her in the last summer, did you? Uh, 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 whatever they say in that song. Did you put up a fight? Did she put up a fight? That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, like they, they know that he had been previously involved with Demi Moore and they're like oh hey you're gonna get you some of that again <laughs> I wouldn't mind myself blah, 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 blah. uh they suck <laughs> they're awful um so there are so there's Demi Moore there's Michael Douglas's wife who looks like Lady Gaga in Born This Way because her cheekbones are amazing huh. um yeah and uh there is the redheaded one of the boys girls uh girl she's she's redheaded and competent and she would also maybe be in the running for this job and then there is the older woman who only wears gray suits and the older woman gets uh the position in the end and uh what's his name um donald sutherland makes a, a speech where he says i was so focused on breaking this glass ceiling <laughs> and appointing a woman when I should have been focused on appointing the right person, which happens to be a woman. And like, you could have just done without the whole first part. So as to not create like a, it could be Michael Douglas, you know? Um, yeah. It's... And just to, on like a high, on a, on a more meta level, like to give it to this older mother figure is like so i'm sure you're familiar with like the archetypes of of women in art and in culture and in literature um there's the virgin the whore the crone or the mother and the um i mean the stranger the warrior stop the it. mother stop 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 there's the virgin <laughs> the whore the mother and what people would consider the I mean, bitch I think or the crone no not crone uh um, that's like an old, thinking, like, um, like matriarchal. I'm thinking the kinds of witches in Terry Pratchett books. That's right. So obviously we have like this. So if you're like, <laughs> if you display any form of sex at all, um, you can't have a job cause you're a bad woman. Oh, absolutely not. But if you're like an old sexless mother, then you're allowed to to rise through the ranks once you've, you've once you've abandoned your femininity and you wear gray boxy suits and you have short cropped hair and there's nothing really that you've chosen to hold on to from your life as a woman as a sexual being as a mother once you've <laughs> abandoned all of that excuse me and that's why Teresa May's been such a good PM so interrupted me for that <laughs> fuck I'm you i was so excited about it <laughs> anyway it just this movie was so close for <laughs> it was so close oh. to saying something no but it steadfastly refused <laughs> uh. i'm mad about the a friend thing at the end it's so stupid <laughs> that was the best part you could have had no a friend right he could have just like figured it out he could have been smart and figured it out himself 
we yeah, didn't need to have the visual representation. Or sorry, it actually is visual virtual reality, but like didn't need that. Um, no. The gay panic didn't do anything. Um, some things I did like. Uh, Demi Moore obviously looks great. Is a villain. Does a good job at playing the villain. Dresses like Lilith from Frasier the whole time. Um, yes, that is spot on. Yeah, she's great. I'm all for the whole her whole vibe with the, with the, with obviously an exception for being a sexual predator. Um, let's see. Like, yeah, like you said, it is disorganized, but it's because, like, there's the conflict between himself and her on an interpersonal level. There's his report of sexual harassment. There's her false accusation of sexual harassment. There's also the feeling that they're conspiring against him to move him to Austin. Um, and then there's, like, all these, like, little mini conflicts of, like, where are my files? Why am I being locked out? Who is a friend? So there's, like, it's just so scattered, and I feel like there's no way Michael, like, what, did Michael Crichton write this in four days? I don't know. It seems like it. Uh, so, yeah, in summary, if you're interested in a movie where uh, we spend 10 minutes exploring the sourcing of a bottle of wine for a meeting, oh my uh, God. this is the movie for you. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's. There's also it's, a very long Michael Douglas shower scene in which he tells his wife to go get him a beer, and then he faces <laughs> away from her the whole time so as to hide the scratches on his has, chest. Yeah, and, we wear a um, t-shirt to bed, which he doesn't normally do, and I was uh, we, sad we got robbed of seeing beautiful shirtless Michael Douglas Douglas <laughs> in bed. <laughs> it's really okay. I'm really fine with it, um, but like. It's just, it's just not good. I, I didn't watch it on a plane. I thought I was going to watch it on the flight. I'm really glad I didn't, um, because it wasn't well, very. You got those erotic. bags right there in the seat. What? I got those bags right there in the seat for when you throw up. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm like I I was like sick all last night, so I'm like a really weird headspace today. <laughs> I love it. Um, I have one comment, and all I have to say, all this comment really says, and I don't know when I wrote it, like at what point in the film, because <laughs> um, it's sandwiched in between. I hate these fuckers. I hate them, and no one here is good. I hate all of them. So I don't know where we are in the movie. Um, Anywhere. <laughs> but the comment is his cock is the digital fortress. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With that being said, um, next we're going to read Nash. Um, uh, <laughs> the last the <laughs> national treasure colon the lost symbol by Dan Brown, uh, which, which reminds me, uh, did you reply to the guy on Facebook Messenger who asked if and when we're going to cover that? Because I didn't. Uh, no. One of us should, okay. I guess. We should do that. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we are going to cover that next. We're going to start uh, with a section. I haven't read it yet, so I don't know what the chapter numbers are going to be yet. I'll put it on the Twitter when we figure it out. It'll probably be 1 to 20. We'll just do 1 to 20, to and then be... we'll figure out the last few ones, how we'll do them, basically. Right? That's how we usually do. That, that seems to be the <laughs> usual modus operandi. Nice. Um, 
I went to a Harvard graduation, and, and they do a Latin speech in the beginning. It's awful. It's awful. Just to like sit President through. Jed Bartlett. Yes, he does. He does do that. Yes. He, look, wow, I'm not saying. President. I'm not saying he's not insufferable. He is. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> watch the West Wing instead of this movie. Don't watch this movie. Uh, don't do it, man. Watch Battlestar Galactica. President Roslin, baby. Or watch. She's uh, the best president. A series of unfortunate events, which is really well made, and Tony Hale is amazing in it, and Lucy Punch is in it too. It. No, did you read I the tried. books as a kid? No, I, I no. Oh, see, it helps if you if you had, and then you have all that nostalgia. I mean, the thing is, like. When I read the books, I was a child, and so I was like, oh, you know, like, fun times, like, oh, the suspense, oh, this is all very interesting. And, like, now I'm watching the show, and I'm a sad adult now with things like trauma and, like, fear of abandonment. And um, it's very dark, and, and it hurts a lot to watch as an adult. When you're a kid, you don't have enough life experience to feel true sadness. That's <laughs> what I got from the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Did you watch that show? I did not, no. Ellen Page is so sad all the time in it. Oh man, she plays the. It's it's like the in the first episode she's introduced playing a Phantom of the Opera medley on the violin, which makes you want to die. But after that, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, have you seen the new Godzilla movie yet? No. What the fuck? When will I have seen it? <laughs> while I was flying over the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, the perfect time to watch it. I saw the preview for it in, uh, out in front of uh, the last Avengers movie. Oh, what's it called? Endgame. And uh, um, yes. it was the thing where uh, the whole preview was just the scene where they go up to like that crevasse and like the multi-headed Hydra appears and like wrecks all their shit. Um, it has a name, Lena. What's his name? In the movie, it's called Ghidorah, but usually it's King Ghidorah. Well, they're going about in the blue filter land, and King Ghidorah... <laughs> Antarctica. <laughs> ...emerges, and it's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I remember telling David, like, if that happened to me, if I was going about my business, and King Ghidorah, like, showed up out of a crevasse, I would just jump into the crevasse. Like, I would not try to fight or escape. I think I would just give up right there. That's the right choice. Uh, it's not... <laughs> It's not really a good movie, but it is a fun movie, and like some of the monster fights in it really kick ass. Hell yeah! Uh, Bradley Whitford's in it. He's actually kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Godzilla's cool. It's the first time Rodan's ever been cool in a movie. That's exciting. So I don't know how to feel about that. All right. Um, All right. <laughs> the final climactic battle happens in Boston. That's King Ghidorah posts up in Fenway Park. That's too much for me. <laughs> it's so good i um well, the last one took place in san francisco yeah the final battle last one in san francisco yeah. uh, uh uh tywin lannister is an eco-terrorist that's exciting whose whose goal is to unleash all the monsters upon the earth to restore nature's balance i guess i don't know about that as a plan but well because it turns out uh, I don't know if you knew this. When a radioactive monster stomps through your city, like San Francisco, mm-hmm. in a couple years, it's going to be l- gr- lush and green and verdant because the radioactivity kickstarts natural life. Who knew? That's why. But that is the thesis. But that is what the movie claims. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, I guess, like you know, you see those news stories out of Chernobyl, a show I've not watched, but I've seen news stories that like yeah. the natural world around it's actually coming back a lot stronger than anyone would have anticipated. Are you going to watch Chernobyl? Probably not. The guy who was Ted Cruz's roommate 
in college is he wrote it. He also wrote The Hangover 2. Did he? The Hangover 3. Oh, I, I was watched looking at his, um, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Some, someone, on, someone on Twitter this morning like, posted a picture of all his past writing credits, and I went back and checked. He's like, they must have just left out the good ones, because this can't have been the first good thing he's written. <laughs> nope. They did not leave out the good ones. <laughs> I, was, uh, I watched Live, Die, Repeat. Uh, what's it called? Oh, Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. And uh, I watched that with David, and then um, it was produced by Steven Mnuchin. And I was like, hey, it's the Secretary <laughs> oh, no. of the Treasury. And David was like, stop it. No, it's not. And I was like, no. Yeah, it, it sure really is. is. It's the same. Your favorite movie is produced by Steven Mnuchin. How does that feel? <laughs> like, that happened when I watched Suicide Squad. <laughs> At least it wasn't your favorite movie. No, but it does have one of the best scenes ever. In a, a couple of the best scenes ever in a movie. It's it's so bad. I haven't seen it. Uh, you, don't. <laughs> There's not worth it, but just like every character gets like 15 minutes of introduction. But then because after Guardians of the Galaxy came out, like, oh, we should make this a comedy superhero villain movie. <laughs> and so they just like redo the whole thing as much as they could to do like cool uh, Quentin Tarantino style, like, you know, stills with the character's name coming from the subtitle. And you're like, oh, this is like a stylized kind of thing that it was never intended to be. Mm-hmm. And so after every character gets their like 10 minute introduction scene, then they still haven't actually introduced all the characters. And so they're getting on a helicopter to go stop Cara Delevingne from wreaking havoc in the city or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this Japanese lady walks in with a katana and she's like, hi, I'm Kitana. And you're like, oh, <laughs> and her whole deal is she, her name is Katana and she has a katana <laughs> and that's her whole deal. There's another guy who his whole deal is he's like, uh, my whole thing is I'm really good at climbing buildings. And you're like, cool. And then they get in the city and he tries to escape. And the whole deal with Suicide Squad is you got bombs planted inside your skull so you can't escape. In your skull? And so he immediately, in like your spinal column at the top, at like the base of your skull. Oh my God. Like, um, the, like the government put them there so you don't escape? Mm-hmm. I mean, and so he immediate, that's a human he rights immediately tries to. <laughs> He well, yeah, they're super villains. <laughs> you understand. Also, uh, the organization that runs the Suicide Squad, who I sh- Cadmus, I think, uh, they're governmental, but also really evil. And so the, the guy is like, my whole power is climbing buildings. He tries to escape by climbing a building, and then his head gets blown up. And you're like, oh, I guess they weren't lying about the bombs in your head. <laughs> I'm sure glad we met him. <laughs> I can't. I will never watch it. But I'm glad that you did, so you can tell me about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, with that, I will see you next time. Do you want to do Angels and Demons? For this movie? No. <laughs> angels, none. Demons, all. Uh, angel, no, sorry. There isn't, there's a literal angel in the movie. It's probably the real angel. Uh, <laughs> Although he is gross. He does suck. But, like, he doesn't. And you're not. Like, when they're doing the demo, like, he says things to the guy, and they're like, what did he say to you? He's like, well, you can't tell anyone else what the angel said. What was that about? I don't know. Anyways, everyone in this movie is a demon. It's true. Uh, and we're angels for having watched it. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, we will see you uh, next time. Are we going to do uh, Meant to Avoid or no? Uh, no, because I don't see the book right now and I don't know what number we're on. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but um, next time we'll do it. <laughs>